Handy History Teaching Tips, blogs in a conversational style. Handy History Teaching Tips are conversational podcasts designed to help history teachers with tips, examples and ideas about history teaching. Sally Thorne, that's me, is a head of department and senior examiner. Helen Snelson was a head of department and now trains history teachers. Between us, we have more years classroom history teaching experience than we are going to admit here. Both of us regularly write resources and present at conferences. We are proudly history specific and practical in our approach. Our hope is that this podcast will become something of a problem page for history teachers. Think of Helen and I as your agony aunts. If you're wrestling with something particularly tricky and need some help, drop us an email at handyhistoryteachingtips at gmail.com or tweet us. I'm at Mrs Thorne and Helen is at Snelson H. And we will see what we can cook up between us. This episode is part of a series explaining the meaning and scope of the disciplinary concepts in school history. And this episode is all about consequence. Ah, there's an interesting concept. Um, The beauty and the curse of the consequence question. Yeah, you can take it almost anywhere. And that really is a beauty and a curse, isn't it? That... The consequences of specific events in history are infinite, which can make it really, really, really tricky to frame an inquiry question because it would be easy to spend a whole key stage just looking at the consequences of of one event. Yeah, yeah, especially as we could get really huge in our thinking and, and wonder if we know all the consequences yet, for example, of World War One, I'm sure the answer to that is we don't. Yeah. Um, and where do we stop in every country? It's like, it's, it's like a pebble, the ripples going out. Yes. Miles. Yeah. And it just, yeah, where does it stop? So um, if, if I think about one of my favourite reads for consequences, and I, um, I'm i still reading, I'm still working on it, it's a very long book, I've never finished it, but it's, uh, it's 1493 by Charles C. Mann, and it was recommended to me by Tom Allen. And um, it, it had a really profound effect on his curriculum. Um, and it's it's a cracking book. It deals with the world consequences of Columbus's discovery of the new world. Wow. Um, and if I just take the introduction, just the preface, um, man talks about um, how he went out one day and he, he discovered these heirloom tomatoes from Ukraine and um, he didn't know that, you know, they'd ever bred tomatoes over there. And looking at that, uh, that discovery inspired him to think about how tomatoes had gone from being a largely inedible species native to South America to becoming this worldwide crop. Um, and and, and further, to, further to that, a worldwide crop that's absolutely tied up with the identity of southern Italy, for example. So um, then you can kind of you, you then see a link between Isabella and Ferdinand making that decision to sponsor Columbus and like pizza so you know you just think like how is how is that put it's just mind-blowing when you think about it like that the consequences of the tomato before yeah. we forget one. Oh my god yeah yeah, yeah. yeah I, I i know that you say that you love um love talking about them but they really do make your headache don't they yes. consequences yes, they really do and um we 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 can't um you know it's impossible because like you said we can't ever know all of the consequences of something but I would counter that we can't ever know all of the causes of an event and yet we still teach causation. Um, So, you know, I suppose what we think about with causation is that that's lots of things leading to a small point. Um, Whereas when we look at consequences, it's a small point leading to lots of big things. So you you just need to be discerning um, about the consequences that you choose and, and be really specific about what you're going to be 
um, planning when you start thinking about your inquiry. So you need to think about where your um, your study is going to go. Don't try to include everything um, and just kind of give a flavour. So, um, for example, when you, you know, and you think about what's um, what's popular in reading at the moment, what the, the History Teacher Book Club have been, have been reading um, earlier, or I think it's been end of last year now, is East West Street. Um, and that might be a, thing, a, a part of a Holocaust study. So you uh, teach, teach about the Holocaust, you look at the consequences of the Holocaust, a particular consequence to focus on might be the development of international law um, and this, uh, these kind of notions of genocide um, and human, uh, I can't think of the other one, just gone right out of my head but uh, crimes against humanity crimes against humanity thank you so um and yeah so i suppose that's that's the thing that you might just focus on one or two specific things um rather than going for the breadth um and i think that's really important i think that's i think that's really wise i've also used some sometimes used um consequence in inquiry questions to to bring the human back into a big event a few years ago I watched a trainee teacher do a lovely lesson actually it was a it was a bridging lesson rather than part of a full historical inquiry but it was it was rounding off a study of the first world war with the impact of world war one on on soldiers lives and it was using quotes from a from a book of soldiers memories which had inspired him um, and I stole it and, and built it up into a lesson that, that that looked at the varied perspectives and emotions as war ended and used it as a bridge into the next topic um, and it just brought that sense of gosh these are humans in an amazing moment in time and in the same sort of vein I used some work on the consequences of World War II for people in the immediate post-war period that chaos of 1945 to 49 a complete mistake to think that uh, you know 45 happened and, and, and everything settled down absolutely no way utter chaos across um europe and i and i focused on people um in order to develop a sense of that period to put a human face back on it because that of course is the start of the cold war period and yeah. i don't know about you but i've always found the cold war can get quite hefty quite abstract quite conceptual in fact just put the word very in there and and it's it's hard and and to remember that there were people um, I felt was very important um, and that's sort of, so that was the sort of consequences of World War Two for people as a lead into the Cold War it's interesting bridging as well well that's yeah that's great and I think that's nice because you're you're kind of it helps then to give students frameworks to peg consequences onto you know and um, what was the impact of World War Two for these groups of people these different groups and and politically or economically what were the direct consequences or the indirect consequences short term or long term kind of local national international all of these different ways of kind of slicing them I think is really really important um, and even if you're just doing that as a bridging lesson you know that's that's I still think it's really important to introduce this concept at Key Stage 3 often because I think if they haven't bumped into this concept of consequence, um, they can be a real disadvantage students because they, they really probably have only heard the word used negatively. You know, there will be consequences. It's that kind of um, negative <laughs> you know, that we use in behaviour management. We the have this, consequence system. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> I had this conversation with some people on Twitter a couple of years ago that we, you know, we, when we started teaching the new GCSE, realised that a lot of students didn't realise that they could be positive. So I think that can be a real problem when they tackle consequence questions at GCSE and A-level um, because they just have this very narrow view of it. 
so I think, yeah, I, I really like that idea of making it kind of an individual lesson here and there, as well as kind of a whole scheme of work. Now, I think also if they're going to actually, the sort of sense of consequence in his wider sense, if they're going to actually really develop answers, almost that so what aspect, you, you need a sort of sense of consequence to everything, don't you? Everything has an implication. Um, and I think you're sort of also setting up those what I would call foundational thinking processes as well. So to reiterate what we were talking about in relation to, to causation, I think we we do need to provide students with language to help them speak and write and yeah. to organise their thinking. Um, there's an interrelationship, isn't there, between causes that we need to give them the language to express just in the same way as there is with causes. Did I just say causes then instead of consequences? You know, yeah. you just sort of like, <laughs> sorry, interrelationship between consequences as there is with causes. Um, and we also need to to help students to I think to think about the size and the speed and the scale of the impact on different places and groups of these consequences. So enabling them to 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 think and have the language to express that consequences don't just happen don't happen equally. Um, I don't know whether I'm going to stretch a metaphor too far here, but the waves may rock all the boats, but but not all the boats will sink. You know, yeah. some of the boats will have water <laughs> lapping over the sides, and others of them will just bob around a lot, and people will get a bit sick. Um, yes. Whatever. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And I, I, yeah, I completely agree. I think that that kind of idea about language is is really important for, set, for setting up. And I, you know, I was looking back through um, Molly Ann Navy's article in Teaching History 172. So um, she um, developed this consequence study, which is how was the Black Death a blessing for the medieval peasantry? And uh, it's really worth a look. It's a really rich article, got lots of um, lots of interesting things in there. But she's done some really hard thinking about what it means to argue consequentially, as it were. And um, she's looked at how different historians do this um, and really thought about the giving students the language that they need to be able to to kind of categorize those different consequences. Um, so Is that things like Im improved and, and damaged, that sort yeah. of language? Yeah. So there's also a great bit in that article referencing Paula Lobo's ideas about, about shapes of consequences, which I thought yeah. was really effectively done. And Michael Fordham's idea of types. So, so lots of practical ideas. You write in that article about how you might teach it. Really, really helpful. Yeah. And the, the other thing that I thought was great about that is that there are some suggested questions um, that are taken from various places um, like that, that you might develop as an inquiry question for consequences. So um, I'm currently working on a consequences inquiry for year nine, um, looking specifically at the consequences of the Russian Revolution. Um, so when we started planning it, um, I had to divide first on the content that we wanted and then I had to whittle it down because, I, you know, the, the list of things that we wanted to cover was so vast. Um, and I really what I really wanted to do was to be able to draw Mao's China in as a long term international consequence. I haven't quite done enough reading to make that possible yet, but maybe maybe one day in the future. So um, but in, in the end, what we what we did was we really focused on making sure that the consequences were as closely linked to the revolution as possible and not just kind of the next bit of the story, because obviously it's it's really easy to say that everything that happens in Russia after 1917 is a consequence of the revolution, because that has happened at the beginning and and I think you can quite easily get bogged down in the wrong direction like we went we went off in the direction of Stalin's uh, kind of uh five-year plans and and Ukraine and it that that it got a little bit too um 
uh, how would I say, amorphous, sort of I suppose. Di diffuse just, yeah, and amorphous, yeah. yeah they, they get geographically a bit muddled as well, don't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So mm. once we'd what what once we'd um kind of nailed down what we wanted to include then we had to decide how to categorize the consequences that we wanted to focus on so um we we played around with looking at kind of immediate consequences short-term consequences long-term consequences um the one i really liked was kind of national consequences european consequences world consequences uh, because then we were able to kind of look at the red scare and think about mm -hmm. that also gave us a nice link to germany and thinking yeah. about fear of, of kind of revolution there um and then also you know for the population for the czar and for the bolsheviks um so we we looked at lots of different ways and once you've decided how you want to kind of slice your consequences then i think that the question then comes out of that so the question that's floating around in my head at the moment and i you know as as with so many of my inquiries i still haven't quite nailed it down but the question that i'm working around at the moment is where did the russian revolution have the biggest impact um so probably needs a bit more <laughs> but mm, yeah. yeah but good developing question yeah, yeah. so what, what what else are you on with at the moment then in relation to consequence questions yeah so the the other one that we're looking at is something for year seven where we're looking at the consequences of the reformation in europe um, so trying to think about the, the how that impacts different groups of people in different places. Gosh, that's an interesting topic uh, for, for needing knowledge to work well as well, isn't yeah. it? Um, yeah, the advice for uh, questions is to make sure you teach students about the event itself before and picking the causes, isn't it? When you're looking at causation questions and I think um, in consequence questions, it's really important to place the event in its context before starting to teach it. So. That story of Luther nailing up his thesis might be a good one, filled with opportunities for Jay-Z memes, of yeah. course, but uh, <laughs> students are going to need uh, at least a rudimentary grasp on the political map of Europe at the time if they're going to understand the consequences of so seemingly small an action, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. wow. Yeah, and and I think that's, I feel like sometimes with consequences, it, you, you, it feels like you need more knowledge than you would for for um, for a kind of more straightforward causation. Um, and I think, you know, that that made me think also of counterfactuals. So counterfactual essays, I think if you're going to approach that or you're going to read those, they, they require an excellent understanding of consequences. And um, I think of, you know, my favourite counterfactual um, essay, which is from this book called What If, um, is about if the potato had never been discovered, if it had never been brought to Europe, you know, what what would have been the consequences of that? And it's myriad, you know, it just, it, I suppose it's going back to the tomato again, isn't it? No um, fish and chips. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um. <laughs> oh, yeah, tragic. That, that, oh. <laughs> the end. Yeah. Now, I suppose those counterfactual essays that all that is is an examination of consequences um, and and people choose what they they include in those um, now I kind of was was flicking back through um, the ideas of, of Satius and he suggested um, using counterfactual questions in the classroom to help frame con consequence inquiries so one of the examples that he gave was what if William had never conquered England and I I kind of I get a bit twitchy about that I don't I don't because you know he did conquer England so I don't I don't know why in the classroom we would ever do this kind of what ifs but I do really quite like that idea of of framing a consequence inquiry specifically um using something like that mm. yeah it's interesting as you say gosh you so much sort of knowledge and command of your topic doesn't it but but I like the idea of the sort of 
making somebody almost stand sideways and look at something. And I suppose I have used that when talking about uh, causes with kids. It's like, well, what if that cause hadn't been present? What would if the would something have still happened? So, I mean, I guess I, yeah, I've always used that in teacher talk in that way. That's a really interesting one. I need to reflect on some more. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that breadth of knowledge that students need to be able to, to theorise about how the world might have been different is so vast, isn't it? It's, it's important that they recognise that their theorising is is going to be limited and I guess that we give them the the confidence to feel that that's okay at the same time the maturity to help them to the maturity to understand that it, it is limited it is very provisional um, and not to start trying to claim certainties out of it yeah yeah, really and I, yeah I think you can do some stuff around a kind of tentative language um, with that as well you know because we as soon as you say well, actually, this is a consequence of this this event, um, and and would would that consequence have still have happened if that event hadn't happened? You know, I suppose there are various. Yeah, I'm I'm talking myself into a circle again here. I'm going to stop. So. Mm. Yeah, well, I think what we're coming up to is because I think we uh, we when we looked at sort of talk thinking about this, we realised there was perhaps almost a bit less to chat about. That's interesting in itself, isn't it? As to why consequences is proving proving a tricky customer for all of us, but. Uh, yeah, something yeah, to interesting on. stuff. So, are we going to uh, give some sort of thoughts for what would you do to cheer yourself up, Sally? How are you cheering <laughs> yourself up? What are How you involved in? Now that we're still as lo- as lockdown continues. Oh dear. Well, so um, oh, I can't. I don't know what I've been doing really. Oh do you know- come on, there must be something. You know what I've been doing? I'm going to give you a moment to think. Then, but okay. I've been doing. I've been watching old history films. It's great. I'm loving the History Teacher Film Club. Oh, I haven't had the courage to chat all the time on the chat thing. Although I did contribute to the Life of Brian one, because I've seen that so many times. I can oh, remember it. But yeah, I've been loving that. And I'm back watching the first two series of Babylon Berlin before I get onto the third one, just to savour it. And partly so I can work out what on earth's going on. It's much easier second time to work out what's going on. If you haven't seen Babylon Berlin, fantastic. Oh, no. You know, and you've recommended this to me before. I I I'm going to keep going on about it. Yeah. Till you break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I suppose. Yeah, I've been I've also been hitting the crown. I've been saving the crown on Netflix season three because I really enjoyed the first two seasons. And I thought well, it'll be a while before season four. I just I'll, I'll hold off for a bit so um yeah but I, I I always find that I have to keep pausing my episodes of the crown part way through because I'm like oh did that really happen oh <laughs> what's the story behind that and then if it gets to the end of the episode and they don't have that like kind of bit of writing where they say and this is what happened next then I always feel a bit aggrieved and I have to go away and look that up and I say what did happen next what was the true story so yeah I can recommend the crown if if you if if I if you haven't already seen that oh no I loved it She's very, very weird. I never thought I'd say that, but I did. (laughs) Anyway, good to talk to you, Sally. Thanks ever so much. See you next time. Bye.